Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hey there, there's something I'd like to mention before the episode starts. Dr. Lozano has generously agreed to offer any of my Grief to Growth listeners 10% off a single session between now and the end of 2021. So if you're listening to this in 2021 and you'd like to schedule a session with Dr. Lozano, just mention Grief to Growth and she'll give you 10% off a single session. A couple of things is, other thing I wanted to mention is I talked about some things that have been happening in my life that kind of validated this experience. And one of the things I want to mention, this was really wild. So in my experience, I had someone in my life named Joanna in my past life. This person played a very, very important role in my life. In fact, they kind of played a, a pivotal role in my life changed after this person and I were separated. So the name Joanna is not a very common name in my life. I only know a couple of people named Joanna. Now, I did my session on Saturday. On Sunday, I looked into my schedule and I had someone scheduled to do a session with me on Monday and the person's name happened to be Joanna. So I thought that was a very interesting synchronicity, I think, to validate the experience that I had. I've never had a client before named named Joanna. I had never met this person before. I had no idea that they were scheduling a session with me. So those are the little types of things that kind of validate what I went through my experience. So with that, I'll let you get into the episode. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody, this is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me Dr. Vondi Lozano. And I uh, I guess I should call her Dr. Lozano, but I feel like we're like friends because, first of all, we are two days apart, I think, in, in birth. Uh, we, were, we were actually born the same year, like two days apart. And I've spent hours with Dr. Lozano because I actually did a Life Between Life session with her. And we're going to talk about what that is today. But I'm going to introduce her, and then we're going to have a conversation. Um, Vadi is a Life Between Life hypnotherapist. She's also a licensed marriage and family therapist and a former psychology professor who's been featured in Cosmopolitan, The Wall Street Journal, and on KABC Talk Radio. And I met Dr. Lozano when she contacted me about this Life Between Life sessions that she does. And I've always been kind of interested in it, but not really willing to pull the trigger because, frankly, I didn't know if it would work for me. So we just we agreed to have a couple of sessions where she actually led me through that. So we're going to talk about that later on the podcast. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But with that, I'd like to welcome to Grief to Growth, Dr. Vondi Lozano. Hey, Brian. Hey, thanks for being here. 
And of course, I want to look down at your eyes, but I know I'm supposed to look up at the camera, so I'll just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's all good. So um, I know we want to start out today and set an intention like we did with the first with the sessions that we did. So let's go ahead and do that, and then we'll get into the conversation. Okay. Well, especially since we're going to be sharing some of your stuff, I especially, see, now I'm nervous. I'm repeating myself. I just wanted to invite in the light and love of spirit mm-hmm. and ask that our path be blessed and illuminated. See, I got the goosebumps. And that um, whatever we discuss is helpful to you and your listeners and viewers. Um, and that this is all about love, ultimately. It's all about yeah. love. And yeah, that this, awesome. our time together would be about love. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Thanks for doing that, Vondi. Well, as I said, we're going to get into my session a little bit later on, and it was really, really interesting, but I want to talk about you first. Sure. And I want to talk about your background. I know your, your background is psychology professor, you're uh, a marriage and family therapist. So how did you get into life between lives? Wow. Um, trying to think how to succinctly answer that. Mm-hmm. I know you said it's okay to ramble, but you have to be careful with me. <laughs> um how I actually got into it wasn't related to my career at all. It was um, through losing my dog. And I can't remember if I had shared that with you before um, in kind of our pre-interview, but um, I had kind of, I come from a Christian background and I think I mentioned I'd be comfortable sharing about that if that's helpful, Mm -hmm. but I come from a Christian background and yet my whole family is kind of intuitive for lack of a better word. Hmm. And just kind of has feelings about things. And um, and I, even as a kid, had sensations and probably what I would now call like touch-ins, you know. Hmm. Um, but they always just scared the crap out of me because from the Christian perspective, that's all bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Not just bad, that's like scary bad. Mm-hmm. So um, it was actually, I started opening up, see I'm rambling, when... Um, I had an illness around age 30, a really serious illness, and I went to see a holistic healer. Hmm. And this poor thing, she was so patient with me because it was so hard for me from, and I was teaching at a Christian college. I later worked at a church. I mean, Hmm. I never quite fit with all of that, but I tried hard to fit Mm -hmm. with it. Um, Anyway, so she had to be really patient with me, but it was the only thing that helped me get better. So I turned to alternative healing. I had chronic fatigue syndrome and this is 30 years ago where nobody knew what it was and people thought it was in your imagination. Mm -hmm. So um, I, and I was told you'll, um, one person told me, you know, sign up for permanent disability. You'll never work again. And I sort of rejected all that and real doctors didn't know what to do with it. So I went the alternative route. Anyway, while I was working with her as part of my healing and maybe other people have had this, I started to have really colorful dreams. Mm. And I also, and some of these things I haven't said in public before, I also would hear voices. And, Mm. you know, in my field, that's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But voices like my roommate's voice or my dad's voice. Um, and maybe I, there, I would have actually even seen things, but I remember saying, I just don't want to see anything. I just don't want to see anything. Mm-hmm. And later on, I dabbled in mediumship a little bit. And I always wondered if that interfered because I spent so many years, you know, but I would hear like my dad saying my name, like Vondi, kind of loud. Mm-hmm. Or So it was more like um, somebody touching in. But anyway, I started having dreams um, 
had a dream. I can say more later if you want, but a dream about a coworker's parent um, dying. Mm. And it was like a video of what happened. And the next day, the video played out. She called me aside and said, um, I said, I wasn't going to talk that much. I was going to make us talk back and forth and look at me here. Anyway, long story short, the dream played out the next day, except the mom wasn't, didn't die. Mm. Um, And I I was just like blown away. So that was when I started opening up. So fast forward to when I lost my dog. See, I even, my voice shakes. I was one of those people that hasn't, I was going to say inappropriate in some words, but an extremely strong attachment to their animals. Mm -hmm. And so I lost my dog and I was beside myself with grief. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I always tell this story. I took myself to the library the next day because I couldn't go to work and I couldn't be home because everything reminded me of her Mm. and sat in a chair just to be with people. So, um, from that, I had started doing hypnosis and a hypnosis friend of mine said, let's go see this medium. And that even in the Bible, it says, do not do that. Like that word is in there. Mm. And so, um, I went to see a medium. My dog came through, she came through first actually. Um, and connecting with the afterlife was the only thing that, um, gave me any comfort at all. Mm. Yeah. And now I'm trying to keep my story on track here. And then I even trained with the medium Hmm. to keep my connection with the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And then I had to stop training because I was neglecting my actual life and my actual husband. And then I, um, Anyway, I feel like I need to speed up here, Vondi. So that's where I learned about Michael Newton's life between life hypnosis. And I always say only my little dog could have got me to go that far out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't like I, I, when people minimize relationship with dogs because we're supposed to say, oh, well, dogs are not. They're just dogs. They're not. They're, you know, they're part of the family. Um, I've, I've had two dogs that I've had for a long time. One lived to 11. The other one was 14. Uh, my first child was a dog. Because my wife and I would get married. She wanted to have kids. And I was like, let's get a dog instead. So we, we had a dog three years before we had children. So we do form that, that bond with dogs, that, that unconditional love, truly unconditional love that, you know, the dog's always there for you. They never complain, you know, so that bond is very strong. Um, and I think I find it interesting. I, I don't do this on purpose, you know, but the name of the show is grief to growth. And every time I have someone to tell this story, what got you into whatever this thing is that they're doing now that they're on the program talking about, it's usually some sort of loss. Mm -hmm. It's usually that that loss that drives us to that point. And I think it's really interesting. You talk about the Christian faith. I grew up with the Christian faith as well. And that faith serves a lot of us until it doesn't. And then something happens where it's like, it just doesn't make sense to us anymore. It's, It's just too confined. And then we spread out and we do other things. I know your your mother also passed. So did that have something to do with your transition into the mediumship and everything? Um, you know, actually, she passed more recently. But mm. I felt like because of the work I had done with Michael Newton, we had a way to have a conversation about death and the afterlife before she passed. So it mm. was sort of, I in fact, I sometimes think the 
the, my dog and opening me up was preparing me for losing my mom. Mm -hmm. And, um, my mom was disabled. So the grief wasn't just her death. It was her life. It was Mm -hmm. a really, really hard, hard, hard life. Yeah. But, but we would, um, we would talk about Michael Newton's approach and his theory that, and Michael Newton, for those of you who don't know, he's the one who discovered the life between lines hypnosis. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I can say a little bit more about that in a minute if you want, but, uh, one of, one of the things they found in doing these sessions is that more advanced souls choose harder lives. And my mom was paralyzed as a child and never fully recovered and wasn't supposed to, um, sit up or walk or anything, but she went on to do a lot of those things and Mm. even have kids. But, but I would say, mom, I don't know what the hell you were thinking. And she would say me either, you know, that she had this just really, really, really hard life. So it more helped us have a conversation. And um, there were some specific conversations, but were you going to ask me something else? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Uh, no, no, that was that was fine for that. What, what I want to do before we get too far in is I want to talk to people. Let's lay some ground rules because sometimes I forget that not everybody is into all this stuff. So okay. let's talk about what life between lives actually means and how Michael Newton discovered it. Okay. Um, okay. And then I, w- I do want to come back because my mom and I had some really interesting conversations. And then, of course, some interesting things happened after she passed or around her passing. Sure. If we have time. Sure. But um, what, so what life between lives hypnosis is and kind of how it was discovered is Michael Newton. A lot of people know Brian Weiss and past life hypnosis mm-hmm. and that he asked his client or patient to go to the source of your anxiety. And instead of going to like a childhood memory, she went to like a whole different life. And that's how Brian Weiss discovered past life hypnosis and mm-hmm. then became really involved with it. Michael Newton sort of discovered it by accident as well. And that he asked a client to go to the source of her deep loneliness. And he had already kind of opened up, I believe. And he was a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, if I understand it correctly. And um, at least that's what the, because I've tried to ask the Newton Association, was he licensed? And from what I've gathered, I think he was. Mm -hmm. So he was a regular psychologist. And he, anyway, he asked someone to go to the source of her loneliness and she didn't go to a past life. She went to the time in between lives. So heaven basically. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, we don't just have a soul mate. Many of us have a soul mate, but we have a soul group, a soul family that we incarnate with over and over. But it's like a, I think you say repertory group where Mm. you change up roles, like in the theater, you change up roles each time. Yeah. But for us, we change up roles depending on what we want to learn each time. But we incarnate with the same folks to some degree repeatedly. Yeah. And And she went to, well, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, so she went to her soul group, um, but no one in that life in the soul group had incarnated with her in this life. And Mm. that was the source of her loneliness. Mm. And so 
he, of course, was stunned and blown blown away. And so he stopped doing all his other work and did 7,000 straight sessions and researched it and found that people went to sort of the same similar basic places on the other side. And he wrote Journey of Souls and a bunch of other books. So um, that's how it was discovered. And that's who Michael Newton is. And Thank he's you. passed on, I think, five years ago. Yeah, thanks for thanks for that, that explanation. So this is all based on the idea that we are, first of all, this is not our first time here, right. that we that we do pre-exist before we are born into these bodies is the way I kind of look at it. Um, a, a word that I'm using more and more and I really like is avatar. I don't view this as even my body. This is my avatar. This is this is my representation in this physical plane. Um, but we 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 kind of come through. We have we have some control. We have some say. We do some planning. So these are concepts that I think are very. I think can be very healing to people if they really understand it. They give us much more of a sense of autonomy, much more of a sense of purpose, much more of a. Instead of why is this happening to me? It's like why did I plan this? You right. Know? What's right. what's the, right. what's the lesson in this? So these are the they, these are the benefits from this because people might say why do I care? And this frankly. For a long time, when I heard about past lives and people were going to past lives, I'm like, I don't, I don't need that because I don't, I just, I'm living this life. And when I heard about lives between lives, I, I was interested, kind of interested, but didn't really know how it benefit me. So, um, I love, you know, talking to you and how you've used this, you know, in your practice and how does, how does it benefit your clients in your practice? Mm-hmm. Well, and boy, there were so many things you said I want to respond to and mm-hmm. I apologize. I'm going to grab a Kleenex. Today. Um, so I wish I could use it as a marriage family therapist, but um, the state has really strict guidelines around what, what, what you can do as a therapist, marriage family therapist, a talk therapist in California. And this isn't part of it. And it's funny in other countries, there's 200 plus Newton Institute certified hypnotherapists who can do this. Mm -hmm. And some of them in other countries, they're doctors and therapists, and it's included. Like my mentor, my training mentor is in Germany and it's included. She can do it under her medical license, Mm -hmm. but we're not there yet. Right. So, um, so I do it separately Mm -hmm. though. I wish I could, because I work a lot with trauma and I would never tell someone who's had a horrible trauma. I think you chose this ever, but when I've done hypnosis with people with trauma, sometimes we do kind of try to inadvertently find out like, what, 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 what's the purpose of all this? But as a hypnotherapist, I'm not limited in that way. So it's, mm-hmm. I have it as two separate, completely separate things. Sure. Um, and as you know, it can help you understand your life from the much bigger picture. Like I've always said, Um, Everybody makes sense when properly understood. Mm -hmm. So my job as a talk therapist is to sort of put the puzzle together of you to understand all the events, who you were, your kind of innate self, your personality, your gender, your everything. And then with life events, how that combined to make you you. Mm -hmm. And so I do a lot of, I always say detective work as part of being a talk therapist, Mm -hmm. but I was kind of overwhelmed when I learned about this because I was like, man, I'm a pretty good talk therapist and I kind of know how to get people from here to here. And now I have to look at, oh my gosh, it's not just this life. It's a whole bunch of lives. And 
Okay, so I'm going to venture into yours a little bit now. Do I have your permission, by the way, to share about yours? Mm -hmm. Okay, because it is confidential, so people know. Mm -hmm. But I knew we were going to talk about it today. Um, Yours was the first time I ever had your past life self show up in your soul group or in your, was it, I think it was your, was it your soul group or your council? Do you remember? Um, It was in my soul group, yeah. I think it was your soul group. Yeah, soul group, yes. yes. Yeah, so oftentimes- We'll explore multiple lives because a soul's working on something and we'll be like, well, have they had this before? And so it's the council and those are your wise elders who oversee all your lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point in the session, we go there or something, some version of wise souls to get feedback and people can bring their questions and mm-hmm. about this life. But anyway, um, we often explore how this life fits within all the lives, but Yours was the first where I had the past life selves actually show up. So do you remember that? Sometimes I, I remember more than you do. So that's why I want to check. Yeah, no, I do. I, I, I wasn't sure what you were talking about first. But yes, one of my past life selves when I when I crossed over was there in the group that, that greeted me. Yes. Yeah. And because I remember you said, but they're not really. And I've heard this before, but this is the first time I've had this in one of my sessions. You said, well, and they're not really past lives because they're all happening at once. Mm hmm. But you said, I'll just kind of say it that way in the sense of Earth's time. Like you were kind of talking down for me a little bit, but but you were letting me know that your other aspects of yourself, other lives you've lived were showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, um, and we'll talk about we'll get into get into that my session um, and, and what I what my experience was. But there is uh, and let's, let's just talk about the, ses- the, the sessions in general, because I want to make sure people are tracking where we are. OK, so, sure. So this was this was it happened over two sessions. The first session was a past life regression where we just went into a past life, and I found a particular past life that had a lot of meaning for me, you know, in this life. And I want I want to share with people what this experience is like because I was I was telling Vanya when she called me up and said, "Okay, I'm going to do this." So one of the reasons I never tried it was because I was convinced that I was one of those people that could could not be hypnotized mm-hmm. because when we hear about hypnosis and we see it like on TV, there's like you make people bark like a dog or stand on one leg or, you know, things like that. And I'm a very analytical, you know, right brain or left brain kind of person. And um, I'm like, I'm just not going to be able to get into this thing I have to get into. So I have to say that um, I was wrong. It was really it was really a, an interesting experience because I was fully conscious um, I knew where I was. I knew what I was saying, um, but I was also very, very deeply relaxed and to a point where I, I'm not normally. And even though I meditate, you know, every day, it was even it was even deeper than that. I, and I remember you saying to me, "Well, when you do this, you need to make sure you have a microphone because sometimes your voice gets so quiet that I can't hear you." And I'm I'm like, "That's not going to happen to me." But I got to a point where, like, you were asking me to talk, and I just really didn't feel like talking. I was like, "I guess I had to talk to her," but I really I was just into the experience. Um, mm-hmm. So we start off with the past life regression and we did that session. And then the next session, we, we do a past life and then we go forward into the between lives. So that's kind of the, the sequence of, of how this happens. Um, and, you know, it was really interesting because, like I said, I was fully conscious the whole time. I was I knew what I was saying. I remember everything. But, um, you know, I remember you saying sometimes people have this and they say, well, I feel like I just made the whole thing up because it's just my imagination. And it does kind of feel like that, but there was such an emotional connection to some of the events that happened. There were points where I just, I literally could not talk because I was experiencing the death in one life of my mother. 
and my father. And these are people that I thought I was just making up in my head, but I was very emotionally attached to, to what had happened. So it's a, to me, it was a very, very real experience. I just want to say that, that to everybody that, you know, it felt like it was uh, very beneficial. And I learned a lot about myself in this life. And I have to say, after the first session, even, and, and it was weird because things were going on in my outside life as this was going on, too. So my 60th birthday just happened to be, um, I think it was between sessions. Yeah, it was between sessions. Because, yeah. Yeah, we had the first one, then I had my birthday, and then we had the second one. So my 60th birthday was in there. And some other things that went on that just really made me feel a lot more, you know, uh, confident in my life and where I was. So by the time the second session came around, I was feeling you know pretty good anyway. But I learned a lot in, you know in the second session as well. So I do want to say to people, anybody that's considering this is thinking, you know, I don't know if it's real. I don't know if this is just woo-woo. Um it was a very real experience for me and it and it was very beneficial and that and I it's been it's been a couple of weeks since we had the last session. I'm still kind of processing some of it, but it's given me a whole um even though I've studied this stuff for a very long time and I talk about it all the time and I believe in soul planning and soul groups and all that, it's just made it a lot more concrete for me, a lot, a lot more real for me and maybe put this life kind of in perspective that it's, it's a temporary thing and it's all part of a big plan. Yeah. Well, and what's different is instead of you going to someone who then tells you about your loved ones or your soul group or whatever, you're telling me about your loved ones and your soul ones. So yeah. you're, you're there connecting, getting the messages and then relaying them to me. And like you said, sometimes people get so deep into the experience, it's hard to even use words. Sometimes we'll even communicate with like, you know, a yes or no with like a finger or something at mm-hmm. certain points, like in that part where I was relaxing you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. I'll say like, can just nod your head to let me know. Yeah. And like I said, that really worked. And the other thing, you know, because you touched on this earlier, you talked about going to a medium and how that really impacted you. And and I've heard this and no offense to you as a professional therapist, but I've heard some people say that a good medium reading can be worth 10 years of of psychotherapy because it's it's you you're feeling that you're getting that connection with the loved one. Well, this is like making yourself your own medium. You know, you can you can you can reach loved ones. You talk to your own guides. You talk, so you're, you're reaching your, you know, you're not, there's not a, someone sitting across a table telling you what your guide is saying. Right. Your guide is actually speaking to you. You're there experiencing this. And it was, um, that made it a very different experience. I mean, I, and I've had lots and lots of medium readings and they're very, very helpful, but this was just, um, like a whole level beyond that. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Well, and when I, I'm trying to think how to say this, when I had my sessions, they told me you need to get trained in this. So after I did the, you know, learned about it, I read all the books and then I had my sessions and they said, this, you need to do this and stop being a talk therapist. And we were in the process of moving up here to Ventura from LA County, mm-hmm. which is just a couple hours away. But I, in my session, the person who was doing my session kept saying, well, but how is she going to earn a living? You know, what, what is she going to do? And um, while I kind of get trained and develop all this. So I'm actually in the process of transitioning to just doing this because when I found out about this, I was like, you know, it, it, to me, it just is so profound and not that the other talk therapy isn't profound. It is, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think it's just for my spirit. If it's like, I found my, like, this is, 
what I'm called to do. And I've yeah. been doing the other for 30 years and, and I value it and I don't want to in any way denigrate it. But like you said, not that you, it makes up for 10 years of therapy because sometimes people call me for an LBL and I'll end up seeing them in my marriage family therapy practice sure, because sure. I realize you need a lot of help with this life. Yes. yes. You know, cause the LBL is just, and LBL stands for life between lives. You know, it's a couple sessions like you said, but um, yeah, I, when I found out about it, I was just like, I got to do this. Yeah. And, and I, when I said that, I just want to be clear. I was referring specifically to grief that when, sometimes yes. people go to a therapist for oh, grief yeah. and going to a therapist for grief is frankly, not necessarily helpful. Um, it's therapists. No, definitely it's, have, have, and most therapists aren't trained in grief counseling. Right. So I went to a grief group that was volunteers who did it for free mm-hmm. when I lost my mom. Mm-hmm. And I went to see a pet loss counselor when I lost my dog. Yeah. Um, not a train. She was a therapist, but she was doing it again, kind of separate. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yes, the only thing that made the grief bearable with my dog was the afterlife connection. Like I wanted to live on the other side and I realized I chose this life and I need to live this life. But um, yeah, I, yeah. I would still be doing mediumship training if I could, except I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're you're doing what you, you should be doing. But I want to go back to something you said earlier because I think it's okay. really really profound. And and I I many many years ago I took a uh, seminars course whatever. It was a guy it, um, I can't remember his name right now, but the thing was called "What You Are Is Where You Were When," and the whole idea was if you got to really know somebody, so what you are is where you were when. And if you got to know somebody and knew everything about them, then you could understand anybody. Because as you said so so well, we come in with the set, you know, there's the there's the nature part of us. We come in with this innate stuff, but then there's all the things that happen to us. And you take these things and you add them up. There's, people say nature versus nurture. No, it's both. And that makes us who we are. So understanding ourselves, you know, we we can look and say, well, I was born into this family. And I've lived these experiences. That's why who I am. But even before you were born into this family, you you come in with, I believe, other other influences. You know, past lives. To use that word um, again, it's it, it, there's no time on the other side. So, but for for purposes of Earth life, we think of the life life as sequential. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this that's why this is so deeply profound for people because a lot of us look at it and say. Why was I born in the family I was born into? Why have I had the experiences I've had? Why do I feel like I've never fit in, you know, in this world? I think it's a, it's a very common question that we have. And this can help answer some of those questions. You know, you can, you can sit down with your, you know, and go through when you go through the, the life between lives, especially and say, this is why you planned the life the way that you did it. And when you do the past lives, you can see themes recurring through your mm-hmm. different lives. Um, and different things that you want to try out or things you may think you didn't do as well in one life. So you want to give it another another chance in this life. We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief, the number two, growth.com, 
If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to grief to growth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there, I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I apologize. I'm hearing a lot of background noise. You're not picking it up, Brian? No, not really. No. Okay, good. No. Because I was thinking I could shut some doors. So no, it's you, not so noisy in here. No, you're fine. Um, okay. Can I say a little bit about what you just said? The yeah, absolutely. Your life? Yeah. Um, so one of the places that people often go is called the life body selection place. It's usually the last place they go before the session wraps up and they can see the different options they had. Usually there's about three or four options and why they chose the family, the life, sort of the trajectory. It's not all laid out because we have free will, mm-hmm. but they say, think of it as like, potentialities or trajectories, you know, that, that we, um, you know, I had someone say, and people have given me permission to share some of these things. Um, you know, I had an option. One was like, I could be born in Africa or I could be born to a group of just like regular folks trying to beat the odds. And I forgot what the third one was, but they chose the regular folks trying to beat the odds Mm -hmm. or, um, one person, had an option of being something really adventuresome, but she, because of how her past life, she was alone in her past life. She chose a family life, but the downside would be her freedom would be restricted. And she's kind of a freedom loving person. So Mm -hmm. literally they can see like some people see on a movie screen and they can Mm -hmm. actually step into the movie and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one guy who saw, he called a futuristic warehouse with pods that you jump in and it shoots you off into a life. Hmm. And, um, and he would jump in without looking. And one of his lessons was to like sort of explore a little more before he just threw himself in. And then one woman saw a room full of babies with Christmas tags Hmm. and she knew which one was going to be the baby that was going to be her. So we choose the scenario, you know, Hmm. not, Anyway, so that's that's something that's really fascinating to me. So, yeah, so it brings up a couple of things. One is I wanted to ask you, because a lot of times we hear about past life regressions and everybody was Cleopatra. Everybody yeah. was, you know, the, everybody was royalty. No one has a, a mundane life. So what's your been, what's your experience been with that? So other than you and one other person, I've never had anybody have any historical figures in their life ever. Okay. okay. So um, and it does seem to be a little geographic specific. Oh, I was going to share about my husband. I'm trying to think if he would give permission. <laughs> I'll just say he's from Europe and his uh, past life was in Europe. 
And a lot of us, a lot of the sessions I've done, people are either Native American or um, settlers. Hmm. You know, like when we do their immediate past life or, or some of their past lives. Okay. But I've only had you and one person who also gave me permission to share. And she was Queen Elizabeth. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and it's so funny because who she is today is like the most humble, modest so she was completely blown away. And then are you comfortable with me sharing your historical figure? Uh, yeah, sure. Or do you want to share? Well, it was Frederick Douglass, but it wasn't me. So <laughs> it, it was it was someone else, which I, I don't want to share who that, what that was, but it was someone else. Okay. okay. Yeah. And he was um, in an important moment in your past life. Right, right. Yeah. And then he ended up being someone in your soul group. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I won't say who, but oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, I think that's, like I said, that's, that's interesting that your experience, because I was wondering, because like I said, everybody that talks about this, it's always like I was a celebrity. I was, you know, I was this or I was, I was royalty. Um, and it's, you know, for me, so when you're doing this again, I want to talk about the experience. For me, you were say you're, you're going back, you're going back and then you're here. And I was just picking the first thing that came to mind because I was fully conscious and I was aware I could make choices is what I was doing. But I was like, okay, this is what feels right to me. This is what I'm, this is what I'm experiencing. Um, and I, like I said, it was interesting to see some of the patterns that were, that were coming up, you know, over and over again, as we were going through the session and the, and the people that were playing different roles. I love the way you said, you know, like a repertoire, because we can only talk in metaphors. You know, it's interesting. Uh, there's a guy, Bernardo Castro, who's, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a, he's a philosopher. He's, he um, has written books on um, philosophy and idealism, the idea that everything is consciousness. And what he talks about, when we talk in allegories, is some things we can only speak about in allegory. We can't speak about them directly. We can only use metaphors. So I love using metaphors. So people might get tired of hearing saying, you know, compare things to computer games or to, you know, and I like the idea of a repertoire because we we are not the person we think we are right now. I, that's why I said I'm, I'm an avatar. I am a much more complex, much larger collection of beings, for lack of a better word, that happen to choose this one body, you know, this time around. And we play different roles. So in my particular case, my daughter, Shana, has played a couple of different roles in my past. And she's always played a role, at least for what I could, the ones we went through where she played a very difficult part of my life. She took the hard roles. I remember them saying. Yeah. She took the hard roles and she took the roles where she was separated from me and it launched me on into something else. Um, My daughter, Kayla, would you know, play various roles in my life. And um, so, and they would play, you know, similar types of roles, but different roles, you know, in my life. So that's it makes you look at the people around you and, and just kind of wonder it's like you know what have we done before um there's a there's a song kenny loggins i love music there's a song called sweet reunion and he talks about when he meets his soulmate i always think about shana when i hear the song now but when he meets his soulmate it's like we've done this a thousand times before and it's like right. she walks in and it's like he immediately recognizes not not consciously but subconsciously it's like, I know we've done this before. Right. I think that's such a cool concept when we think about our lives that, you know, we've, we've, this is not the first or only time we've been with people. Right. Right. Well, and remember on the other side, we ask, what's your immortal soul name? Do you remember? Yes. I remember asking. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Do, do you remember what it was? And, and you don't have to share unless you want to. 
Uh, I'm not sure if I remember or not. Yeah. And I have to confess, I peaked. I took a little notes during our sessions. I always do. I think, is is it right if it's Ashuka? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of complicated because we're talking over there about the past life, Brian, today, Brian, and then the soul, Brian. So sometimes it's kind of like musical chairs as I'm talking to them and saying, well, how does this affect Brian? And how did this affect yeah, yeah, it could get it could get confusing, frankly, right, during the right. session because you'd ask him like, "Are you talking about me? Or are you talking about there?" Because, and again, this is where I think some, you know, that's why I consider this life to be an avatar. And another series of books I read that was a book series of books called The Team, and I think she explains this very well, and that we're all part of a team, which is this thing we're talking about. But even more than that, our our different avatars are all part of a team, and so it's like we're this we're this this being. It comes in in different ways. And then we share these experiences so that we don't all have to have the same experiences. So that's that's why I was able to, when I was in this life between life's regression, I saw another soul, another avatar that I had been in a different life. So it gets, it could get very confusing because we're like, we're like uh, nested beings, you know, we were like this and then we're this and then we're this. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why I actually take notes and I have up in the corner your name. I have past life one name, past life two name, because we do a little, we do the past life for the first session. And then the second session is we go to your immediate past life because we Mm want to see what happens between the life right before this and before you chose to be Brian. Yeah. And so, and then I have your guide's name. And so I have it all there up in my paper so I can keep everybody straight and who I'm talking to and who the message is for Mm -hmm. when we're having the conversations. Yeah. And I remember I was thinking about, as we talked about this, I remember when Peter, Peter Panagor had his near death, near death experience and he went on the other side and he heard like his real name, his soul name or whatever. Name, yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I think he said it wasn't you know, pronounceable. I don't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but you know, we have this, it's just the idea that we are not, I am not Brian and you are not Vandy. And I, and I really, so how does this apply practically? When I look at people and I'm having conversations with them, I'm like, well, this is kind of avatar to avatar. Um, it's, it's soul to soul on one level, but it's also avatar to, to avatar and we're, and we're not really, you know, who we think we are. And it, it makes it easier for me to accept, for example, my daughter, Shana, who has transitioned out of her avatar to know that in one sense, we're still together, you know, mm-hmm. on, on the other side, we are literally still together at this moment mm-hmm. and on the other, and then, and I'm going to see her again. So that's how this stuff actually plays out in day to day life when we can just carry this life more loosely when we can not take it, you know, quite so seriously and say, you know, uh, it, everything's going to be okay. You know, it's, it's really what it all comes down to. Right. Well, and something you said, I was going to say about, Oh, uh, you're still together over there. We only bring a percentage of our soul's essence into any given life. So usually 30 to let's say 60%. So you're still over there while you're here mm-hmm. with Shana and you're also doing other things. So mm-hmm. you're not just there and here. You're also, people are sometimes um, on other planets. There's even a thing this is going to get kind of out there where people are in two bodies on earth kind of at the same time or overlapping I've, times. I've heard of that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we only bring, you know, a percentage to this life and we're over there. We're very busy. In fact, in this perspective, well, actually, were you going to say something before no, I change no. topics? In this perspective, that's real life, 
and this is school. So right. we're over there in school, we're making energy, we're working in labs, we're creating life, we're doing all these things. And then, you know, we're coming here to, they call it like, um, this is your field work or your practicum. I want to try out having more compassion. So that's why you come to earth. There's a lot of much easier places to incarnate, mm -hmm. but earth is like, you know, the tough school advanced. So to all your people out there, you know, you were the brave ones. My, the person who did my sessions told me that you were the brave ones, or mm -hmm. I heard him say it in a talk. So this is a hard life because there's a lot of suffering. Yeah, and it's interesting because even the terminology we use for life between lives, it's actually the other way around. You know, right. th this is this is the 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 that break. This is the school. This is the this is the the um, obstacle course. This is the video game. This is the all those analogies you want to use. This is not the real world. And and I know this sounds weird to say this, but scientists are telling us this, this now. They're like, you know, a lot of philosophers and scientists are arguing about is this is this place real or is it a simulation? Are we at a hologram? And and there's there's a lot of evidence that this world is really basically a projection, that there's something that under under lies underneath it that creates it, that props it up, that supports it. But it's like, you know, if you're a Star Trek fan, it's like being on the holodeck. Um, it, this is this is not real life. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it feels very well. And I tell people this is a totally immersive experience this is like you know you stepped into the best vr that there ever is because mm -hmm. it's not only sight and sound but it's also touch and emotion and all the stuff and it feels very very real but from the other side they're like you know this this is the simulator mm -hmm. and you're only there for a very short time and getting back to the session you know because i could talk about this all day but getting back to what this lbl does for you it allows you to expand that picture out of, of even this, the life that you're in right now. Mm -hmm. And to say, I'm going to take it a little bit easier. I'm not going to take it so seriously. I'm going to, um, you know, I chose to come here to have this experience. And so whatever it is I experience, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, and at one point I asked some questions of the council through you mm -hmm. about um, kind of how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And usually I get, you know, well, he's doing this or he's doing better or he needs to do more work or whatever. And yours, I don't know if you remember this. They, you said, there's no judgment here. It's all just experience. Like they, they were very clear. Like we're not evaluating you. It's, it's just all experience. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And I think it's very important because a lot of times, you know, well, even in our Christian background and, and in this, it's all, you know, we have to achieve, you know, and I, and I hear people, uh, people use the term even today, I'm being tested. And I'm like, testing implies, first of all, pass, fail. And it, it implies we don't know. And I tell people that are going through these experiences, I'm like, you can't fail. Whatever it is that happens, you can't fail. You you can choose how you're going to deal with this. And and the outcome is, our, I mean, you you kind of already know, it's just, this is really more of a, it's a challenge. It's like, you know, I want to see how this exactly. goes out, but it's not a pass fail thing. It's no one's going to, you know, you don't go back and get an A or a B or a C or, you know, oh, since you got an A, you're allowed to move on to the next level. But if you, if you got a C, you, you've got to go back and do it again. And that's another, I have a poor friend. I remember when I was, she, she and I were in a, a group of people who were ex-Christians. We were coming out of it and we start first started talking about reincarnation. And she said, every time I hear about reincarnation, I just start crying. And I said, why? She said, my life has been 
so hard and her life had been, it had been impossibly hard because why would I ever do this again? Why would someone make me come back? And I said, I think it's very important. We don't have to come back here. Right. And I was, I was just going to say, my mom said the same thing is I said something about maybe you'll choose a better, easier life next time around. She said, do I have to do this again? I mean, her yeah. life was so incredibly hard. And I said, no, you don't have to, you know, you, they don't make you come back. Right. And in fact, at, as the souls advance, they stop reincarnating or incarnating. Mm-hmm. And so the council, they're usually not incarnating anymore and the yeah. higher up. Well, and it's not thing- higher up, like judgment higher up. It's more just, they've done more. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's yeah. So even though there's different roles, it's not like there's a value on further or not far. Oh, I was going to say something else about that judgment, but what were you going to say? I, don't I just, know. I wanted to point out, there's another reason why people incarnate. People sometimes incarnate for other people. So right. they're, they're to a point where they don't feel like they need to incarnate anymore, right. but they, they choose to come back for a particular purpose or for the greater good. Um, yes. so there are people, uh, I believe they're called bodhisattvas that say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to come back and I'm doing this for, I'm doing this for, you know, other people. So the, the idea of, and I, and it, I just want to say one more thing and I'll, and I'll let you go, but I, I, when people, everybody I know that's in helping parents, you know, almost every single tour person said, I'm never doing this again. And I used to say that myself. And I'm like, I don't say that anymore because it's like when you, like you go out and you drink too much, and you get hung over and you say, I'm never going to drink again. <laughs> you know, you do it again. And so once we get back to the other side and once we, you know, kind of decompress and we realize it wasn't that big of a deal, there was no real jeopardy. Then we say, yeah, I'm going to do it again. So I don't, I don't say that anymore. Yeah. It's funny. You said so many things. I was like, Oh, I want to respond to that, 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 but, um, yeah. Okay. So yes, most of the time. So one of the questions we ask before people come back in is, were you eager to come back and different or didn't want to come? Mm-hmm. And most are eager to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say was, um, for some reason, I've been getting a fair number of advanced souls and hopefully this won't embarrass you, but there were some signs that you would fit into that category. Um, the sign being that you skipped the orientation and you went straight to your soul group. Usually your guide meets you right when you cross over, kind of like the past life session. But mm. the souls who know where they're going, they just go to one of the places. They mm. don't need like a reorientation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hopefully that doesn't make you uncomfortable. But um, but I've been getting people, I had someone who was a council member and they don't incarnate anymore. They've stopped incarnating a long time ago. But mm-hmm. when it was time to start asking questions and I was trying to get her to go to her council, mm-hmm. the message was put your book away. Cause we have a book of, you know, at this place, you ask this, at this place, you ask this. And then obviously we freelance too, mm-hmm. but they said, put that book away. This soul is not there for her advancement. She's there for everybody else. Hmm. And the whole council, in fact, she, on the other side, it's all love and we're all one. Mm -hmm. She would refer to herself as we, she didn't even speak as I, when she got over there really Mm -hmm. with the council, Mm -hmm. but she said, um, it took me a while to figure out what was going on. Mm -hmm. I had to say, well, what do you do? And I help people plan their lives. And I finally figured out she was on a council and the whole council had incarnated among us to, for our benefit here on earth. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And I've had a fair number of those recently. 
Yeah, I think. I was going to say, I think that's really, that's really cool. And I think it's really, it could be freeing for people again, because we've, we've had this idea, whether it's from Christianity of, you know, final judgment from God, or whether it's from near death experiences, the life review, which a lot of people, they actually confuse those two things because near death experiences tell us over and over again, you're only evaluating yourself, but some people still fear that, that life review. Um, and I think it's, we need to really understand we don't have to really, we don't have to worry about that. You know, it, it's actually, I, I like what, you know, Jesus said about storing up treasures for yourself in heaven. The way I look at it now is every time I do a good deed, I'm like, this is going to be cool in my life review. So that's the way I look at my life review. I'm like, what, what cool things, what kind of little cool things can I leave for myself? You know, when I get there. Um, so that's, I, that's been very helpful for me. Yeah. And I was going to say, and my voice is doing okay. I know I said I was having trouble. So if I can go a little more if you want to, but if, yeah. if you need to wrap up, I'm good too. No, no, we're, we're, we're doing, I'm, we're fine. Um, okay. Can then, can I share? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I had two things kind of in response to that two different sessions I wanted to share, but mm-hmm. one they're opposite. So one was very affirming and one was a, was a little less. So is this is mm-hmm. okay with you if I share both. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, cause it kind of doesn't fit with what you were saying. So I want to be respectful, but the first one was, um, a friend of mine, I did his session and it turned out he was a young soul. I think I did a session when I was doing my training even, but, uh, it turned out he was a young soul. And when he crossed over, um, he felt really bad about his past life that it, it didn't go well, or he didn't make enough of himself. And, and they were like, you're good. Don't worry about it. And his counsel said that his guide said that they kept giving him the message over and over in every different way they could think of. Mm-hmm. And finally they said, this is my favorite thing. And sometimes we can hold on to these things for us. Even if the message was given to somebody else, it's also for us. And they said, I still remember it. We don't care how well you do. We just care about you. Our answer will always be, you're doing fine. You're doing wonderfully. Like they wow. didn't even want to evaluate the last life. Right, right. Like right. we don't care how well you do. We just care about you. Because he kept being hard on himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way I believe it is. So what was the other experience? Okay, yeah. So the other one was the opposite. And, you know, we're trained in, in all the sessions. It's all love. Um, anyway, I'll just cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. This was the most interesting session I've ever done. And it was someone who originally wasn't going to give me permission to share because they're very private. But afterwards I said, you have to give me permission to share this. And she Mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. So she crossed over and her guide was pissed at her. And sometimes the guides joke with people and joke Mm -hmm. with me, Mm -hmm. but he was like, come here, come here, come here, come over here, come here, come here, come here. And he said, her name was come here. And um, she was a Wall Street broker in the crash. Mm-hmm. And after the market crashed, she um, kind of just gave up on life. And so they said, um, well, first of all, the guide said, you need to go right back in because you wasted that life. So two things. He was pissed and he told her to go right back in. Mm-hmm. I was trained and told in all the other sessions, thousands and tens of thousands of sessions people have done. It's all love. And you never go right back in. The whole point of life between lives is all the things we do on the other side. Mm-hmm. He said, you need to go right back in. And so we went to the place of life body selection. 
And they were like, well, we don't know what to do with this soul because there's workers there because you don't go right back in. So long story short, I asked some questions and they finally went to a wise person who could help us. Mm -hmm. And it was Mr. Mighty, who was like a cross between a king and Santa Claus, like a big figure. And you, she said, you go to him like going to the principal's office when you're in trouble. And I'm like flipping through my book of questions like this is not in here. And um, he said, basically, if you don't straighten up, you're not going to be allowed to incarnate anymore. And because you've been wasting your lives and they're they're supposed to keep ending better and they're ending miserably. Hmm. And so, again, I'm like, what the hell? This is not supposed to be like this. I literally kept thinking they were going to joke with me or something. But finally they said, um, in this life, she's too serious. And Mr. Mighty apologized for like scaring her straight and told her. So the message turned out to be about love, like to Mm -hmm. relax, you know, ease up. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But initially I was like, this is wrong. This is not what they told me. And I think that was one of my training sessions too. So I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, well, I think that's a very interesting experience, and I'm glad you relayed that because you you had said in the notes before we got started that this is kind of like having an NDE without having the NDE. And so we talk about all the positive NDEs, and there are some that we call less than positive. And so we can't throw those out. My personal opinion about less than positive experiences is people get what they need. Yes. And I think sometimes people need that less than positive experience. It's not a permanent thing. Nobody goes to hell. And I think it's really interesting the people that even go to hell on their NDEs always get out before they even in the NDED. As soon as they ask for help, they're always taken out. And the, the other thing is these sessions are, you know, there, there's a lot of projection that we're doing because our, 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 psyche, our psyche is involved. So um, they're not, you know, it's not, it's not perfect. It's not objective. So I think in that case, my guess would be this is a, this is what this woman felt like she needed was she needed that that experience of being you know scared straight for lack of a better word. But I think about you know there's been there've been a handful of people that have had I think it's like eight or ten percent of people that have NDEs are less than positive. But mm-hmm. it's interesting they usually have a positive outcome. And I remember it was I think it was PMH Atwater when I interviewed she was saying one time she was giving a lecture and someone stood up and they'd had like a really heavenly NDE like the best one ever. They were miserable because they felt like they had been rejected and they were sent back and they thought life sucked. Another person stood up. They had a hellish NDE and they were, they were so grateful for it because they said it really taught them that they really needed to buckle down and focus on their life. So I just I believe people get what they need uh, in their in their experiences. And, and in my case, you know, I thought it was interesting because like with my lives, you would say, well, how did that life go? And, and the couple I had, I'm like. It went fine. I thought it went great. I didn't have any, any feeling like I, you know, I mean, I remember in the one life I actually was too hard on myself. I thought I should have done more. That right. was, that was exactly. the lesson I took out of that life. Um, so I think everybody gets what they need in these experiences yeah. and, there, and there's room for a variety of things. And it's interesting that person, even though they had a quote negative experience, realized this was what I needed. Right. And it, and it ultimately wasn't a negative experience. And right. it's funny because their soul group was like a rogue soul group. Like they were smoking, drinking, their names were Kamir and, and uh, Roger that and hell. Yeah. I mean, it was a renegade soul group. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so, so even though it's, it, it wasn't negative, it was just different than what I expected. Right. But, right. but they were fine with it. Like, like the, the guide was like, piss, like get over here. And they thought it was funny. I mean, so this soul kind of just wasn't taking anything seriously. Right. Exactly. And but, that's, ult- but ultimately it was love. Like she went into Mr. Mighty's arms and he hugged her and said, child, you know, and yeah. she said, thanks for giving me so many chances. And it was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing about the whole, when we say positive and negative, and that's why when I talk about NDEs, I say less than positive because I don't, I don't believe anything is, is negative. Um, once we get a higher perspective on it, once we right. really look at it and including the things that happen in this life, you know, I, everything that happens to us, something good comes out of it. I literally believe, I literally believe that everything that happens is some sort of good comes out of it. And it's just a matter of how, how we choose to look at it. Right. And also you have to remember on that side, like you said, time is different. This is like a 20 minute journey right. compared to everything over there. Yeah. And when the soul group comes back together and people come in from their journeys, they sit around and kind of talk about it. And how was yours? And how did you do? And hmm, maybe I could have done this or that. And but um, this is like, you know, a blink. Compared yeah. to the time over there. Okay, so I know we're kind of running long and you probably want to wrap up so people don't have such a long thing to listen to, but can I ask a little bit more about yours? Because we said we were going to process yours a little yeah, bit. and we've got as much time as we need. Okay, um, I'll just keep taking sips of water. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, how did it fit with your expectations and what would you say was the big takeaway for you? Okay, as far as how it fit with my expectations, um, again, you know, I, I didn't know because I've heard people describe things. And I, I thought when I was reading about these, like, it's like you're literally in these experiences, like, you know, you're feeling and seeing things. That's why some people describe it. For me, it was more like my imagination. You know, it was like, if I close my eyes, I could think about this, but it was, it was the first things that came to me. Um, it was a lot more emotional, especially the first one when I was in it than I expected it to be. And then the second one, when I got to the in-between lives part uh, became very emotional for me. Um, and I and I truly believe that things come are coming into my life when they're supposed to come into my life. So you know the ha- the fact that you happen to, you know, ask me to do this, um, it happened to be like right around my 60th birthday. It's I'm going through a transition in my life right now in terms of my career, similar to what you're going through. I'm like, this is what I want to do. How am I going to make any money doing this? Um, and so it really lifted a, a lot of that burden, you know, from me. Um, as I thought about it afterwards, you know, I did have that feeling like, okay, maybe you were just making that up. Um, but then again, the emotional connection that I got and some of the surprises of some of the, the things that happened that the people in my life, I mean, my, in my, in my former, my previous life, I was a white woman and I was a slave right. owner. Yes. And you know, when, when that, when you brought me to that place and you're like, okay, you're there, I'm like, whoa. I did, I did not expect to be, you know, a slave owner. It'd be the last thing that I would uh, want to be anyway. Um, on a plantation, no less. Yeah, on a plantation. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, so I'm, as I've gone through it, I, you know, I'm having to learn to just lean into it and trust that it was real and, and what can I take from it? And um, it's been, it's been very helpful. You know, it's been extremely helpful. I'm, and I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. And I would encourage people that are thinking about it, that especially if you have hangups about your life, like, why am I going through this? Or why does this always happen to me? Um, why does my life suck so bad? Because some people think, you know, they're just the most unlucky people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can really help you to answer that. And, um, 
I forgot who it was that said, um, if a man has a, a why, uh, he can he can endure any how. You know, we can endure anything as long as it makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as, as some, if someone can tell me, yeah, you're suffering, but you're suffering for a reason, that something good's going to come out of this, I think that's the most helpful thing that we can learn. Yeah. Well, and the really advanced souls that are, so as I said, the more advanced the soul, the harder the life. I mean, they're working on compassion and that's why they're suffering. And again, I would never tell somebody, you chose this horrible whatever. But, um, you know, when I see somebody homeless or, um, you know, and it doesn't mean I turn away or something, but just, um, and that doesn't mean we're not supposed to do something about it. Right. But, but just, um, or people with really serious mental illness. I mean, those are the big leaks people, you know. You know, it's kind of like the concept of karma. I mean, and I don't believe in karma the way some people believe in it. Like you do something bad, something bad happens to you. But for people that believe that it it can be used as an excuse. You can look at someone and say that person's poor because they deserve to be poor because they they screwed up in a past life. And that's what was, frankly, that's what the people around Jesus believe. And they said, why was this man born blind? Well, because was it because his father sinned or because he sinned? And which is interesting because it implies reincarnation. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Right, right. But Jesus said, no, it's neither one of those things. It's it's not, I don't view it as punishment. And I also tell people, even if you believe that someone chose this life, maybe they chose it so you should show so you could show compassion. Right. So it's not an excuse to leave anybody in a in a in a bad state. Right. And it's not it's not a saying you deserve this thing or you chose right. this, so I'm gonna leave you there. Uh, it doesn't mean we don't fight. It doesn't mean we don't right. fight all the injustices right. of the world. Right. I mean, because that's what we're here for. We're here for. We're here to have something to push against. So that person that was that is disabled, or that person that is poor, doesn't mean you leave them. Maybe your job is to lift them up. Well, and that might be why they chose that, for, for not just for their advancement, but for us to develop compassion mm-hmm. and sympathy or courage or whatever it is that we're needing. Because all of this, so much planning goes into this. All of this was sort of put in place for everybody. Oops, sorry, hit the mic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all these different soul groups, and then there's other soul groups that are nearby, like cluster groups, and it's all kind of pre, you know, set in motion. And then what we do with it is up to us. But sorry, I hit it again. Yeah, well, that but, that brings up another really, really important point. I was I was talking to um, a friend the other day, and I, I don't want to identify her, but I was talking to a friend. And I have a lot of friends who have lost children. So it was a, a friend who had lost a child really struggling with, you know, getting back into life, you know, and, 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 and not living for themselves. And the concepts I've learned from this, I've learned from the team books I've been reading, you know, what, what I said to this person is like, we don't live for ourselves. And when I heard that concept in the team books, that I'm living to have an experience to share with everybody else. When I go back, it's, it's not just about me. So the, the, the problems I'm going through, whether I'm disabled, whether I'm poor, whether I'm sick, whether I'm wealthy and just a total ass, no, it's not just for me. And, and then also I look at that person who is that total ass. I'm like, maybe they're playing that role for our benefit, you know, and, and I can have a little bit of compassion for that person and say, maybe this is the role that it could be an extremely advanced being that's saying, I'm going to play this role. We don't, we don't know because it's, it's, a it's a very, very tangled web. It's not, it's not a simple yes. thing. Though the general rule is the less advanced souls, sorry, I want to be careful I say this. They're mostly concerned about having a life where they look good and are successful. Mm -hmm. 
And that doesn't mean we shouldn't look good or be successful. But um, again, the more advanced souls are they're they're choosing the tough lessons. So the, and again, I haven't lost a child, so I can't even begin to imagine the pain. Um, well, everybody thinks, you know, initially your first thought is why would I choose a tough life? And I remember this is before I even knew anything about soul planning. I had no clue. I was my early twenties and I was talking to the woman I was dating at the time. And I said, why would anybody ever be choose to be born a black man in America? You know, I, cause we were talking about, you know, being black or being white. And, you know, she was saying, you wish you were white or something. And I said, yeah, why wouldn't I? Well, I mean, why wouldn't I choose an easy life? What? But once we develop a deeper understanding of the, of the what life is, and, and now here I am 35, 40 years later, and I'm very happy to be who I am. Um, I would not have learned the lessons that I've learned if I had not you know, been born as a black man in the early 1960s. Um, so it's, it's helped me to really develop character. So when we're on the other side, we, we're making these choices. We're like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that because we're not worried about fame or wealth or stuff like that because we know it's meaningless. We know it, it means absolutely nothing. Right. Well, and we're bringing back this learning to enrich the collective divine or whatever you want to call it over there, which mm -hmm. is us. Yeah. You know, so so we're off learning these things for our own soul's advancement, but also, you know, to, there's things over there that can't happen because there's no suffering. So yeah. we grow here. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a lot of truth in uh, the show Star Trek. And when they talk about the Borg, they're always they're always represented negatively. But the thing about the Borg is they live for the collective and every experience, if I remember correctly, adds to the experience of the whole. And people think sometimes this is blasphemous when we say that we're God, but Jesus said that we're gods. And so we are little fractals of God and God has divided God's self up and all yeah. these billions of fractals right. exactly. to have these experiences. And each experience that we have is an experience that, that leads back to the collective that benefits the, everything. And we're, we're all part of, the, part of that. I agree. So we're, my favorite, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. My favorite saying is something about enlightenment when the drop of water realizes it's the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, um, it's kind of an intense concept and it, it's it maybe kind of difficult to grasp at first, but the more that you, you grok it, I mean, it's something you can't understand on an intellectual level. You just have to, you have to accept it intuitively, but the more that you start to accept that you'll start to look at everybody and everything differently. I mean, you, literally the world would change for you, you know, overnight. I, I posted something yesterday. It was, it was a joke about how people talk to themselves. It's like, yeah, I talked to myself and then we laugh. And I said, you know, the thing is, once you truly understand who you are, you'll never be alone again. You'll, you'll yeah. never, you'll, cause you'll know that your, your guides are with you. Your loved ones are with you. Right. Your higher self is there. You're watching yourself as you're doing this thing. Like when you're playing a video game, you're sitting on the couch and you're Mario is running across the screen and you're controlling Mario. You're the one sitting on the couch. You're not, you're not Mario. Right. Right. Well, that's why, um, yeah, I fell in love with this. As soon as I heard about it, I was like, okay, I'm not a gifted medium, but I know how to do hypnosis. I was already doing it as a talk therapist. So I was like, I think this is my thing. And it just opened up this whole new world for me. And I've kind of never looked back. Yeah. And one of the benefits is I get to meet people like you. And um, I process your experience afterwards. You know, I grow and learn. And mm -hmm. so thank you for trusting me and taking that journey. Well, I want to say this about, about that, because I study NDEs like crazy. And a lot of people that do, and I believe again, everything's for everybody. So 
in an NDE or in a life between life sessions, there's stuff that's unique and there's stuff that's universal. So we could all we could all benefit from you know learning these things and studying these things and hearing the wisdom you know that comes from the other side. So yeah, we are we are starting to run a little bit long. So anything you'd like to say that you didn't get to say before we wrap up? Mm, not really. Just back to what I said in the beginning. It is all love. Even the session that was a little bit unusual, it, the message was ultimately about love and um, love and oneness. You know, it's it's all the same on the other side. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes hard to believe that it could be so simple, and people hear that over and over again, but that's what you hear from everybody that's, you know, had that, had those types of experience. But I want to thank you for reaching out to me and for doing this with me and, and letting me have the experience and for sharing it with my audience. Uh, let people know where they can reach you. My website, lovebetweenlives.com. Okay. And the name is Vondi Lozano. It's V-O-N-D-I-E-L-O-Z-A-N-O. That'll of course be in the show notes. There'll be a link to Vondi's website in the show notes. Um, again, if you're even thinking about doing something like this, I really encourage you to do it, to, to do yourself a favor and, and take the leap. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash grief. The number two, growth and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grieftogrowth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.